It's so good to see you today. If you'll turn in your Bibles with me, let's jump back into this 150th Psalm. Uh, I've enjoyed so much, got a lot of great compliments as far as enjoying and, and really needing this uh, service and these series before we jump into next year. We're dealing with understanding that we must advance, and the only way we can advance in our life is through praise. Praise is the only avenue by which you will establish moving forward. It is, it is imperative. In fact, there is no way around it. We're going to dig even deeper into it today and understand. And so as we've started this series on praise and understanding praise, we started out by trying to walk through the who, what, when, why, and where type mindset. And so we dealt with number one, where we praise God. Do we remember where we praise God? We praise Him in our sanctuary. And where's the sanctuary? Here. So wherever I am, there should be praise. God has created us to be the temple. And so now we are the place where praise ought to take place. Imagine if you thought of your, your life or your, your very existence as the temple of God. What would church look like at your church? What would life look like at your church at, at 12 o'clock on Monday when things are going wrong? What, what, if somebody walked in your church at that moment, what would life look like? Would there be a lot of praising or a lot of cussing? And nobody wants to go to a church where there's just nothing but cussing when you walk in. But, but you are the temple of God. And understanding that is the start, the where we praise God. I must, praise must originate in me. It must begin in me. And we talked about Romans, the first chapter, how, you know, people are turned over to different minds and different bad lifestyles and different things. And, and, and we talk about whether it's homosexuality or whatever things like that or, or deranged minds. Do you know where it begins as we begin the process? It begins with someone stopping praise. The moment I stop praise in my life, something has to fill that void. Something has to take that place. Because when I quit seeing God for who He is and I stop praising Him for being God and I stop pursuing Him and living for Him as God, then I must automatically start praising someone else. So when you turn on the bowl games these next few days and you see people spending thousands of dollars to drive to Florida for one weekend to come see their team and they don't hardly have money to live on the rest of the year, but for that one weekend we're going to have fun, I'm going to buy the t-shirt, I'm going to do everything. They've painted their faces, they've done everything they can do. Why? Because you're going to praise. The problem is if you praise anything other than God, it's going to keep deteriorating in your life. It's going to keep bringing you downward. So we understood where. Then we moved into the why. For the last two weeks, we've been in the why. And we discussed first we worship Him because of creation. We worship Him because of His mighty works. Go with me to Psalms 150 and let's walk through and see how far we are so far. It's amazing how I can only get two scriptures in in four weeks, but we're going we're gonna to hopefully get a little further today. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. We've gotten that far. We talked about the where and we talked about the why. Why? Because, number one, his creative power. The firmament declares his greatness. We are part of his creation that declares God's greatness. And then we discussed a little bit last week as, as far as during the offering time, I just touched on the other why, our redemptive understanding that he has redeemed us, that he has saved us, that he's called us into his family. We are excited and we praise him because we are not what we used to be. 
We may not be everything we want to be, but we're not what we used to be. And by the grace of God and by through the power of God, we praise him. Well, there's one other area of why that I need to jump into before I jump into the how today. We're going to get into the how, but I've got one more why. And notice what it says there. Praise him for his mighty acts and praise him according to his what? Excellent greatness. When I praise God, there must be in the why, when somebody says, well, why do you get so excited about church? Because of all that he's done, because of all his creative power, because he hangs the moon and he hangs the stars, because he holds the universe in place. I praise him because he saved me and redeemed me. And I praise him ultimately just because of how great he is. He is the greatest of the great. There is none in comparison to him. There is none like him. And my praise then, has to originate from that and has to be motivated by that. Go with me in your Bible to Ephesians 3, verses 16 through 19. Ephesians 3, verses 16 through 19. Let me show you how the Apostle Paul tries to describe this to the early church. As you're turning there, let me tell you a story that kind of sets the pace. There was in 1715 a king by the name of King Louis, French king. In fact, he was a monarch for almost 72 years. And under his reign, he done got to the point to where he saw himself as absolute. There was none in comparison to him. There's none greater than me. In fact, that became the nickname that he put on all of his writings. He was King Louis the Great. King Louis the Great. But he died, as all of us do. And he had it arranged how everything would be. And he had a gold casket. And there in the sanctuary, there in the cathedral, all the lights were dim and dimly lit, except for one that hung in a candle that sat right above his casket. And that one light was bright and it shined and it was to illuminate to let everybody understand how great he was, how, how he was such a light to everybody else. The bishop, when his time came to speak and to preach, thousands were there and everybody was quiet, just wanting to hear what he would say. And the bishop walked up and as he walked up, he leaned over and he extinguished the light. And he looked at everybody else, thousands that were there, and he says, only God is that great. We in our lives, we try to convince ourselves, y'all wouldn't make it without me. The world, wouldn't, the world would quit spinning if I died. Can I tell you something? Nobody is that great. There is only one that's that great. The world will keep going without you. Your family, I know it's hard to believe, your family will survive without you. When I go on, on my sabbaticals, that's part of what God has to break out of me once again. Because of all the things I do and all the lives of people that I'm involved in, it's easy to get in the mindset of, man, these folks, they, uh, they, they wouldn't make it without me. They wouldn't. And then I go to the woods, and after about two or three days, that first night or two is, is really difficult for me because I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, and I, I don't have a phone, I don't have nothing. I've, I, I, I think about, well, what if I died? If I died, Lord, who would take care of What would happen here? And... and through the whole day or two, as God is pushing that out, he's reminding me, Tim, guess what? The world went right on without you today. The world survived. I think a lot of times that's why we don't take breaks. I think it's why we don't like vacations, because it reminds us that, you know what? We're not indispensable, that, that life would go on without us. You need to do that so often. You need to just take a break. You just need to turn the phone. I know it's hard to do, but just turn the phone off. And just realize that, that after that day, you know what? The world didn't quit spinning. Nothing stopped. 
It's just the fact that there's only one that's so great he holds it all into place. There's one so great that he'll make it work even if you're not there to help work it. There's only one, and it ain't King Louis. It's God. And that's why we praise him for his excellent greatness, his awesome power. Here's what the Apostle Paul would say to you if he was here today and he could say, he said that he would grant you, that, that God would put inside of you an understanding, that God would be able to put inside between your ears this understanding, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That you would, that you would understand that, that inside of you, that that's where your strength, that the person in you, the one that has you, that's your strength. Listen, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that being rooted and grounded in love, so when you get this understanding of who he is and that I've got him in me and that he holds everything and he's ruling everything, he said, I pray this thing upon you, that you be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of who? with all the fullness of God. He said, listen, I pray that somewhere one day you would comprehend in your mind the greatness of God, how God is holding it together, not you, how God is keeping it going, not you, and that everything that's working is working in you, that your very breath is because of the God in you. Your very life is because of God in you. Everything that you have is because of the God in you, and that you would get so insatuated with the love of Christ and get to understand how much God loves me that he gave me today. He loves me so much that he gave me my family. He loves me so much that he gave me this church. He loves me so much that he gave me the ability that you would just be so enraptured that somehow in your mind you would comprehend the height and the depth and the length of the love of God and the power of God and his greatness. Because if you do go with me to verse 20 and 21, something happens. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. He said, when you comprehend this and you get this, guess where the power for miracles and the power for change and the power to overcome happens? It's going to happen in you. The people stand around like, well, if I could see something, if God would show me, that's not the way it works. God says, I'm going to, through your life, I'm trying to get that knowledge in you, not around you, not to try to prove to you. I'm trying to get it in you. And when I get it in you, then all of a sudden you'll do things that you could not have done. You will believe for things you could could not have believed for. You will go places you could not have gone because the power doesn't work on the outside of you. The power works from the inside of you. So whatever attacks you from the outside, if the doctor says, you don't look good, it doesn't look like you're going to make it to next Christmas, you can smile and say, I'm glad what you're saying on the outside, but you don't understand. I have a great physician who lives on the inside, and what he says is more powerful than anything else. Well, I can't believe that. Well, that's sad because you don't understand how great and how high and how wide and how powerful my God is. I hope that one day you get a hold of it. I hope that one day you can realize it. I hope one day that your mind can get around it. Then you'll quit thinking that a boy or a girl will fix your problems. You'll get away from thinking that marriage or a new house or another car is going to make you happy. 
Listen, your happiness will never come from your outside. Neither will your misery. Listen to me. Your misery doesn't come from your outside. Bro, you don't know what I've been through. Well, whoop-de-doo, everybody past the third grade's got a story. I hate to break it to you. You think you're the only one that hadn't had everything but chocolate ice cream every night. I hate to break it to you. Everybody in this room has a story. So what's different about you? The difference is, is that you've let the outside determine your inside. So understand, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 lets us know that when we get this, all of a sudden it transforms the way we see life, how we see miracles, how things take place in our life. Okay, go with me to Isaiah 40 and 25. I'll show you how Isaiah says it. God speaking says, To whom then will you liken me? Or shall I be an equal, says the Holy One. He says, Think within the inside of you and tell me what's greater than me. Tell me who compares to me. Tell me, tell me what rain, what, what you've put in your side of you that has tried to be equal to me. Well, you don't, you don't know about, is that greater than God? Well, you don't know where I, is that greater than God? See, you have to determine the greatness of God. And God gave him the question. He said, is there anything that you've decided is as great as me? To whom then are you going to liken me? When somebody looks at you, but God can do it, do you go, I don't know. Is there something that you've made as big as God? If there's something you've made as big as God, then it's going to cause you problems. But God says, I'm going to go ahead and answer this. Go to chapter 44 of Isaiah and verse 6, and God answers it for you. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am, and besides me, there is. He said, let me tell you what I've done. He said, I, I, I sat down on my throne one day, and he said, okay, I'm the one that begins everything, and I'm the one that ends everything. I'm the one that's in control of everything, and nothing happens without me. And and I I need to take counsel because I need to know if, if, if what I'm doing is good and what I'm doing is bad. So he said, I look to the left, and there ain't nobody. And I look to the right, and there was nobody. He said, I I found out there isn't nobody as great as me or as powerful as me, as mighty as me, and so I can't take counsel from nobody but myself. So I just look and I say, self, does this sound like a good idea? And self says, well, you're perfect, so I think it must be a good idea. And so God says, listen, I've done had that discussion. I've done had that with myself, and I've done looked around heaven, and I've done looked around the universe, and I've done looked around the nothing of nothing, and I'm telling you, there's no other God but me. There's nothing higher than me. There's nothing greater than me. There's nothing bigger than me. There's nothing mightier than me. So if you've got any questions about it, here's the way it's going to be. I was God when I formed you in your mother womb and I'll be God when I send you to heaven or hell. I'll be God all through eternity. I'll be the beginning and I'll be the end. I'll be everything in between and you just wants to get used to it because there is no other answer to the questions in your mind. Oh, it solves the problems. Psalms 104 gives us a beautiful illustration of the psalmist trying to describe this to us. Listen how he says this. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty. Thou coverest thyself with light and with a, as with a garment. In other words, light just becomes a garment to you. Thou stretcheth out the heavens like a curtain. Who layeth the beams of his chambers in the water? Who maketh the clouds his chariots? Who walketh upon the wings of the wind? Who maketh his angels spirits? his ministers and flaming fire. 
Who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be moved forever? Thou coverest it with a deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. The waters said, we will, we will not listen. The waters said, we are more powerful. Isn't it amazing how hurricanes and, 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 and all this type of stuff, when we see a hurricane, it can wipe a hole three cities deep when it comes. One little 30-foot wave. And God said, there was a time when water reigned above every mountain. There was a time when water was unruly. There was a time when there was no holding water back. And listen to what happened. And thy rebuked, and they and it fled. In other words, God said, here's what's going to happen. 70% you get. You go on back and you get back down from the mountains. You withdraw yourself and you get away from this and there will always be 30% of land. That's why when they say there's going to be one day some great tsunami that's going to wipe the earth off, can I tell you something? Oh, no, there's not because there's nothing that's going to happen in the universe that's greater than the God that I serve. God said, I have established the earth. I have put it where it's supposed to be. I told the oceans you can't come no further. When the tide rises, it can only come so far. And when it's pushed back, it can only go so far. And we look at it as a marvel. And God says, it's not a marvel. I just looked down one day and I said, water, you can't come no further. You get back where you belong. And the water fled from me like a little child flees from an adult. It fled out of fear from the very sound of my voice. Why? Because at the voice of thy thunder, thy hastened away when your voice spoke forth. When you just spoke to water, water said, I can't take it. i got to get go. We, we see it in the New Testament. We don't realize it where Jesus speaks to water and tells water to hold me up. He just tells water, I'm fixing to walk on you. And water, water says, yeah, whatever you say, you, you're not going to sink. We got you. Do you understand how great? Look at the person beside you and just tell, do you understand how great your God is? Do you have any idea how powerful you're worried about whether he can get you off cigarettes? And water is scared of God. You're trying to wonder whether God can help you have a life and get you a job by next year. And God is saying, do you have any idea how powerful I am? You keep bringing little bitty things to me as though I'm not great. Understand, I can do exceedingly, abundantly above anything. Not only you ask, but whatever you can imagine in your little mind, I'm still greater than that. Oh, that'll make you want to dream and just say, well, it ain't big enough. Think about it. Whatever you could dream today ain't big enough for God. It's not big enough. God says, I can do exceedingly abundant if I want to. This is what we found out with Pilate. Because the God that we serve is simply perfect. You can't say that about anything. In our world, it seems so hard to say that. But we can actually step up and say, our God is perfect. Our God makes no mistakes. Our God makes no blunders. Our God makes no errors. And somebody will say, well, look at all the chaos in the world. Look at all the junk. Well, that's simple. If everybody in the world served my God, then it would be a great world. Since everybody doesn't serve my God, there's going to be chaos in the world. As long as you're going to rebel against my God, there's going to be problems. As long as you decide I'm going to do what I want to and not what God said, there's always going to be issues. 
And God's going to keep letting you just keep pushing it and pushing it. But make no mistake, when you review and search my God, you will find that there's no imperfections in him. That's what Pilate was called to do in, in the Roman court when they were going to execute Christ. And they, they brought him. And Pilate in his mind is thinking, okay, this won't be too hard because anybody I search out, I'm going to find that they cheated on their taxes. I'm going to find that they stole from somebody. I'm going to find that they did something wrong. And that will give me a good reason to kill Jesus. I'll kill him because he's done something wrong. But the Bible says that Pilate sent out and searched and looked and asked questions and did everything he could. And then he finally went to a basin and washed his hands. And he said, I'm not going to be part of killing this man. My wife's done had a bad dream to not mess with him. I've already searched him out. And can I tell you something? I have found nothing, not one flaw in this man. I have not found one reason for death. And that's the God that I serve. That if you searched him out today, you would say, I cannot find any flaw in him. He is worthy to be praised for his excellent greatness. Oh, I wish I had about three more hours there, but we're going to move on. Got to go on. How then? We've discussed the why. We, we know we, for his great power of creation, his great power of redemption, his just excellent greatness for who he is. But how do we praise this God? Now, this becomes controversial. Some people like to, Worship him in silence. Some people like to worship him loud. Some people like to worship him in different ways. They're all different trying to ways of people through the last, especially last several years, trying to figure out how we worship God and correct way to worship God. And there's even some churches that have gotten to the point to where we've, we describe them as traditional worship, contemporary worship, modern worship, Pentecostal worship, charismatic worship. And we, we try to give it every title in the world. There's some churches that do an 8 o'clock. There'll be churches this morning that do an 8 o'clock service, and they'll have traditional worship. Everybody there will hold a book in their hand, and everybody there will go through their worship service, and they'll, they'll do it like, and then all of a sudden they'll usher everybody out. They'll bring in the guitars and everything, and at 9.45, all of a sudden they'll crank it up, and the contemporary worship will begin. It's all types. There's even some denominations don't believe in no music in their worship. It's all different types. But what I care about is what the Bible says about worship. And there's no place better to go than the book of Psalms. Because Psalms is the songs. It's the songs that you're singing to God. So what is it about worship? Why is it so controversial? Why is it such an issue? Why is... Well, let's go to the Bible and let's just see what the psalmist says about worship and how worship works and what worship is. Go back with me to Psalms 150. Psalms 150, picking up at verse 3. There are three distinct parts that I need us to understand this morning. There'll be others, but this morning I need you to understand three distinct parts. We're going to talk about the instrumental first, the instrumental worship that takes place in church. I know I've lost some already because they don't believe in instrumental. Well, that's too bad because Psalms 150 begins with understanding that there is instrumental worship. You're already off base. You just tell whoever you want to, they're already off base because the Bible already declares how to worship. And he begins by understanding, praise him with the sound of the trumpet and praise him with the psaltery and the harp. These are three distinct instruments. And we'll get into this in just a few minutes. But these are three distinct instruments and they're not instruments that are just percussion. They're not instruments of just your hands. They're not instruments of just praise. These are 
professional instruments. These are instruments that are learned instruments. They are performed instruments. They are instruments that are very important because they are to lead worship. They are instruments that are to be incorporated into the lead of what created stringed instruments, uh, harps, guitars, whatever it might be. Anything that comes from the string that has to be learned. Uh, pianos are stringed instruments. All of these type of instruments are professional instruments. We pay money to go sit in an auditorium to see somebody who has perfected being able to play these types of instruments. You don't just, just walk into a room. Now you might go watch Stomp where a bunch of people are standing around doing this and making something cool, but you don't go pay just for that. They are the extra in this, but when we go, we may see a pianist that sits down and they play and we'll sit there for hours and listen to their beauty of playing a piano, a string. That Why is that so important, Brother Lot? Because listen to me very carefully as we jump into this. Number one, you were called, you were called to replace of the fallen worship leader and to do his job. You were called to take the role of the fallen worship leader and do his job. See, when we look at this, we are to take the role of one that was called Lucifer. We call him Satan now. And we have a bad understanding of him, and we have a bad understanding of, of how it works. Because when we think of the devil, we're thinking of this somebody on fire. We're thinking of somebody red with a pitchfork or a, or a pointy tail, or we've got all this mindset of who the devil is. But I want to give you a clear picture of who the devil is today. In fact, you might see some resemblance of him in some folks you know. Look at the person beside you and say, it might be you. Because it sure ain't me. Can't be me. Well, let's look at this pitchfork, on fire, red, demonic looking thing. And let's understand that these instruments that I'm talking about are very important and they're mentioned first. In, in the, the psalmist writings, he mentions them first. Go with me to Ezekiel 28 verses 11 or 12 through 13. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyre and say unto him, thus says the Lord God. Now, when he mentions this, he's not talking about the specific king, but he's writing basically to give you an illustration of the devil. But because this king had grown so much like, he said, write this letter to the devil. Write it to him. And here's what you are to say. Thus says the Lord God, the great Lord God, the almighty Lord God, the great, excellent God. I want you to understand something, Lucifer. Thou sealest up the sum. In other words, Lucifer, when I made you, I made you perfect. And when I say perfect, it was an understanding that you were missing absolutely nothing. I, when I created you, did not make anything lacking in your abilities or lacking in what you were given. You did not need anyone else to help you. You were perfect within yourself. So whatever it is that Lucifer does, he doesn't have to have an entourage. He doesn't have to have a help. He doesn't have to have anything backing him up. If he was a band, he wouldn't need a guitarist and a drummer over here. He's the whole orchestra all by himself. When he walks on the stage, he is everything. He completes the sum. So God said, I made you in what you were meant to do, to do it completely by yourself. That's incredible that God made him lacking in nothing that he called him to do. But now listen to what he says. Thou sealest up the sun, full of 
look at some sides and say, Satan was smart. This is not some, some uh, you know, idiot. I created you with incredible wisdom, incredible ability. I created a mind that could comprehend, a mind that could do things that most could not do. I gave you an incredible ability of wisdom, of understanding about me and understanding. I, I created you in this way. But it doesn't end there. So far, he don't look like a red, demonic, pitchforked. Well, let's look at him. And perfect in... Lucifer, here's the way you are. If you were a man, you would win on People's Magazine, most sexiest man alive every year. You are the personification of sexy and beautiful and good looking. If you were a man, that's what you would be. You would be the personification of that. If you were a woman, Lucifer, declared by beauty, you would win Miss Universe every year. They would just go ahead and give you the trophy and mail it to you every year. They'd shut the competition down because there would be no one as beautiful, as complete, as perfect, as wise as you are. This is who you are, Lucifer. You are perfect in all of these capacities. You are beautiful by any standard of beauty. You are gorgeous by any standard of gorgeous. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. You, you got the opportunity to taste and to be a part of the beauty that I, I, I've created. You've been in places that most don't get to go. You've got to experience what most don't get to experience. But listen, every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, the topaz, and the diamond the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, and the sapphire, and the emerald, and the carbuncles, and gold. He said, let me, let me describe you. You had all the bling. If I, if I was wanting to look like Satan today, I would do it through my outer look. I would do it through my clothes. And I would do it through my jewelry. Because diamonds are a girl's Yes, not God. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. And, and you would be, in our modern time, you would be looking for every way to bling out. You would, you would have topaz and diamonds, and you, you couldn't put enough holes in your head and nose and face to be able to hang enough jewelry so that you look good. You were covered in diamonds. You were covered, and your whole complexion was covered in things that people will look at and say, oh, that's awesome. Oh, that looks expensive. Oh, that is incredible. We build museums to protect diamonds and things that are so valuable and so beautiful and we say they're worth millions of dollars and the Bible says that he was covered in them. The most precious stones there have ever been. The biggest diamonds you've ever seen. His very body, his very complexion everything and walking through the places of God when light would hit that and glimmer against that. You have never seen such a beautiful array of colors and this angel was one of the most beautiful precious angels that God had ever created and we in this world try very hard every day to imitate our father because we want to be known as beautiful we buy stuff to make hair grow on our head because we want to be beautiful we buy stuff to make us shrink down here and swell up there if it ain't big enough we go have some doctor implant something to make us look like we got it. 
Because our very existence is created on the beauty that we think God didn't give us. God didn't make me perfect. And God didn't make me good enough. And God didn't make me pretty enough. And God didn't make me like so and so. So I got to go do some stuff to help God out because God didn't do me right. Oh, might be talking about you a little bit, honey. Yeah. When we get to where we spend more time in front of a mirror than we do in our Bibles, you ain't got time to read two scriptures a day, but you got four hours to stand in front of a mirror to make sure you look right. Welcome to his world because it's all about how I look and my image and everything people say and how they, it ain't about my inside, it's about my outside. It's being an American idol. This is who he is. Have you seen him lately? Have you seen him lately? Pastor, what does that got to do with praise? Well, he has one job. God gave him everything he needed to do, to do one job. God said, I hadn't limited. You needed mics. I gave you a mic. You needed, you needed drums. I gave you drums. You needed, you needed a, a saxophone. I gave you a sax. I gave you every type of music you need. You say, brother, he didn't have a band. Listen to what it says. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, and the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets. And of thy pipes was prepared in thee on the day that thou wast. He said, let me explain this to you. When I created you, when you're around, if you ever have the opportunity, which I'll get one day when they chain that rascal and they throw him into hell, I'll get a chance and I want to just for a moment to gaze upon him because it's not going to be like you think. This is an incredibly beautiful creation that God made. And he said, listen to me, when you open your mouth, Satan, when you begin to talk, the Bible would say, how, is, how could you turn one third of the, the, the angels of God against God? I'm going to tell you how, because his beauty and his power and his ability was off the chain. When he opens his mouth, mm. drums begin to beat, horns begin to blow. Not just a voice, but built within you on the day I created you, I instilled inside of you the wind instruments and the instruments so that whenever you sang to me or when you praised me, which was your job, you didn't have to have an entourage. Hey, guys, let's get the band together and I'm going to sing. No, no, no. He said, when I walked by myself across the coals of heaven, when I walked before God, I didn't need anyone else with me. I by myself could walk before God. And when I opened my mouth music began to play. When I began to open my mouth, drums began to beat. When I opened my mouth, saxophones and and trumpets and everything you can imagine was built inside of me and so that it automatically comes out with my voice of praise also comes the music of praise. Can you imagine such a creation? Such an incredible creation designed by God So that other angels would look at him and say, wow, wow, God, you were showing out when you made him. Yes, I was. Because he has a very important job. Michael, I I appreciate you fighting and being a fighter, but let me tell you something. I don't need a fighter. One of my words takes care of all my battles. Gabriel, I appreciate you blowing the horn. But if I wanted to, I could just speak a word and the thunders would wreck a horn like you've never. I, I, I don't. But what I created 
in that special angel was someone that would give me praise. And that is powerful to me. And Lucifer decided, I deserve credit. I deserve to be treated better than this. I'm too beautiful to be on the second tier. I need to be on the stage. I need to be worshipped like God. When that, when God walks on the stage, I need to walk on the stage with Him and stand beside. And people applaud God and me. I deserve some of because because I'm the one building Him up. I'm the one making Him look good. I, I, I mean, I'm I'm the one that's really you know you can't even really see God, but you can see me. I I'm the one with all the diamonds. I'm the one with all the the bling. I'm the one that everybody can see. And Satan rebelled and left his position. And God removed him from his job. And God decided, (laughs) I am going to take this lowly, pitiful-looking, weak creation, and I'm going to give them his job. And you want to talk about ticking him off. When you begin to praise God in your pitiful way, we miss guitar keys and we miss drum. We get off beat and Joel gets too fast sometimes and too slow sometimes. And, 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 and sometimes Trent will be up here singing and his voice will start cracking and, 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 and you'll think, Lord, have mercy. But, but even in, in the good or the bad of our praise, can I tell you something? It creates an atmosphere because it was anointed and called by God that creates chaos in the realm of the devil. Let, let me see if I can explain it this way to you. When you come into church and you got all this stuff on your mind and you got all these stuff, all these issues and all this stuff, what happens when we begin to praise God? What happens when you begin to lift your hand? What happens? Do you, do you get more depressed? It's like, oh, I just get more. No, it doesn't happen, does it? What happens in your life when you begin to praise God? It lightens. It lo- Can I tell you why? Because the enemy who walked in with you, who is saying, we just going to get through service. We just going to... The moment he begins to hear the praise, it's like, I don't want to hear. I'll meet you back outside. That's why some of you have great church services, but as soon as you get back to your car, he's already talking to you again. Why? Because it's in your praise and in the praise of him that he cannot stand in the presence. Therefore, I know whenever, whenever I'm getting in trouble, whenever my mind is going off key, whenever I'm getting feeling depressed, whenever life isn't going good, here's the hardest thing to do, but it's what I'm called to do. He says, just begin to lift up your hands and praise me. Begin to sing a song to me. Begin to lift me up. Begin to give me glory. Begin to give me praise. And all of a sudden, you will find out that your enemy cannot stay around you. In fact, Jesus, when he enters into Jerusalem the last time, and he's riding on a colt, the Pharisees watching people throw palm leaves and throwing their jackets, and and they look and they say, tell everybody to hush. Tell them to stop. And Jesus said, listen to me. If they don't do this, if they don't praise me, then the rocks will rise up and praise me. Rocks will have to beat together. Mountains will have to shake. But you've got to understand that my power comes through my praise. It's praise that releases me. It's praise that accompanies me. And I will find something, if it's nothing but rocks, I will find something that will praise me. Number two, let me hurry. We are to take on the role 
of the fallen angel who once his job was to be the praise leader. But, but listen to me. Number two, it is the leader's job to lead. Mm. Let me say something here. We are, we are heading in a direction that is not good in church. And it is where we are putting chairs on stages and where we are reaching a point to where right before preaching, somebody will walk down an aisle with somebody toting their books and they'll sit on like it's almost my time. And we're reaching a point to where we're as leaders losing our ability to lead praise. The loudest in the room should be me. The best dancer in this room should be me. Ain't nobody in this room going to out-praise me. Out, you may one day say, I want to praise like Pastor Lot. Just last week we had somebody as a visitor, and, 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 and they looked over, and I was there, and I was, I was, I was having myself a tie. And, 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 and the person told the person beside him, they said, well, there's somebody else worshiping the Lord. And they looked at him and smiled and said, that's the pastor. See, you're, you're not going to get ahead of me in my praise. Because the calling of praise is that if you call yourself a leader, you must lead first in praise. Not bossing, not dictating, but you lead first in praise. That is your start. If you're going to be head of your house, men, you want to be the men of your house, then you be the praise leader of your house. Don't leave that up to your wife or somebody else. When, 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 you, when you hear somebody talking about God, you say, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. We, we praise God in this house. We don't, we don't downgrade God. We don't talk about God. We don't run God. You, you be the one that says the prayer at, at, at meals. If nobody else wants to pray, you just smile and say, I'll be happy to lead the prayer. Why? Because we're going to pray. We're going to praise. We're going to lift up God. That's my role as a leader. That's why when it's called in church life, they say before you elect a leader, and Paul said before you appoint somebody, do what? Make sure they can handle their own household first. Make sure they can lead praise in their own household. If they can't lead praise in their own household, why in the world would you put them on a stage to lead praise with hundreds of people? We are to be leaders. In fact, in Jerusalem, the reason these instruments are listed first, the harp, the psaltery, the reason these stringed instruments, wind instruments, are listed first is because if you were a Levite, if you were a teacher, if you were part of the church, it was required of you to have learned one of these instruments to be part of leadership. You could not be a Sunday school teacher and teach a class unless you were equipped and, and, and proficient at being able to play an instrument and lead praise. Whew. Imagine that. You couldn't teach Sunday school until you learned a guitar. When you've learned a guitar and you can sing, you come back and we'll let you. When you learn how to play the flute and you can lead praise, then we'll let you in leadership. Can you see why churches get out of whack? Because we don't pick people because of their praise ability. That's God. Remember God picked David, the, 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 the Israel picked Saul. And, and, and he said, I have found me a man. What man did you find? I found me a little old boy back in the back with sheep playing harp and learning how to sing and learning how to praise me. And guess what? When he gets down and discouraged, he said, I encourage myself in the Lord. Uh -huh. When he saw Goliath, he didn't get all upset. He said, it just makes me want to sing. It makes me want to sing a song. See, until you can sing a song when things go bad, you're not ready for leadership. 
And the reason it was listed first is because in the psalmist, they would have known that, listen, the first instruments, these are the first. And that means you that are in leadership, you are to lead praise. Anywhere you find in, in there the, horn, the trumpets and the different instruments that had to be learned to blow, they weren't played by normal people. They were played by the priest, and they were played by the Levites. They were played by those that were professionals that were called to lead praise. Listen to me. Go with me to Revelations 4 and 10. I'll show it to you this way. Revelations 4 and 10. It is the leadership that is called to be the praise leaders, whether it's your family, whether it's your home. And listen to me, in heaven one day and even today, guess what? It is leaders that are the lead in praise. Here's what the Bible says. The four and twenty elders... When they hear the the cherubims and they hear the seraphims and they hear the other creatures that are created to praise God, when they crank up, automatically the four and twenty elders do this. They fall off of their throne. They take their crown in their head. Listen, they fall down before him that sat on the throne and worshiped him that liveth forever, even and casting their crowns. Oh, you're worthy. Listen to what they say in Revelations 4 and 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive what? Glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were. He said the four and twenty elders, until they realize this, they cannot be an elder. They cannot praise. They, if they don't have that understanding, they can't be at that position. Why? Because it's at that position you understand where I praise God and why I praise God and how I praise God. I praise Him with everything in me. I give everything that I got. I, I declare unto Him, you are the one that created everything. You made everything. You formed everything. And for your glory, everything is. And we praise you for your mighty power. <laughs> we praise Him so we might get something. I've been going to church three weeks, been standing when they tell me to stand, praising, and ain't nothing seem to go right. You praise Him to get things. And you're going to have to get to a point to where you praise Him just because of who He is. Till you get that right, won't nothing else work. You're going to have to praise Him for just who He is. We, we, we take on the role of praise. Leadership, leading praise is our responsibility. Number three, we are to release the power through praise. If we take on the role of praise, and let me say this very carefully. When you get into music, there is no place that you will enter in that will be more demonic than the realm of music. Listen to me very carefully. It is the area in which Satan is most equipped and familiar. It is the area in which he uses most to destroy lives and generations. It is in your music that you listen to and the music that you hear. Listen to me. Let me just put it to you this way. Would you let somebody just walk up to you and call you a B? Some of you in this room, would you let somebody just walk up to you and call you the N-word? That would be disgraceful. Somebody walk up to you and use the N-word. Would you, would you let somebody call you a W-H-O-R-E? Would you, let, would you tell somebody, look, I know they cheated on you five times, but you know you're so weak and pitiful. You know you got to go back to them. Is that what you would tell a friend? You, you look at it. You think I'm stupid? But listen to me. Somebody can put music to it, and you'll start dancing to it. Call me a beat. That's what I. That's my music. I'm like, how dumb are you? How dumb are you? Don't be calling me the N word. 
Oh, but I can put it in a rap song, and if I rap it at you, it's okay. Man, I like that, and that fit the groove. Are you that stupid? No. I'll tell you what you are. You're influenced by music. You can put lyrics to things, and you can be cheated on four times. But you know what? I just can't help myself. I just had to go back to them. I just ate my boat. They're my everything, and I can't live without them. And I know they treat me bad, but you know, I love them so much, and I can't. You ever listen to some of the lyrics y'all listen to? You ever just read them? Don't, don't play no music to it. Just read it. Just print it out and just say, this is what I believe. Oh, Lord. That ain't what I believe. Oh, you will if you keep pumping it through your radio 10 or 12 times. By the time you heard it the five or six times and you've listened to that country junk and you, you decided you got all this junk in you and you done got some rap in you and you done got some everything in you. Let me tell you what you got in you. You got Satan in you. Because listen to me, he is the music director. And he uses me. Isn't, isn't it amazing? Think about it. You don't talk about putting a smile on his face. We created a TV show where people sing and we call it American Idol. If you walk up to somebody and say, do you believe in idols? Lord, no, I don't even believe in no idols. Sure you do. You believe in American idols. See, music, and of all the places, listen to me, for you that are in music and deal with music, of all the places that will come the most difficult to stay in line and to deal with and to stay, it'll be music. Because Satan is always right around the corner in every song you sing. Because when you're singing, see, I don't have the bling. I just come with a word. I don't have all the hairdo, and I don't wear all the cool clothes. It's in all of that that it's very easy to think, I deserve more. I deserve to be treated better. Look at Hollywood. Look at your music people. Look at some of the most mixed up, messed up people you'll ever find in your life. Why? Because that's their daddy. And they crave to be praised. They want to be the divas. Oh, we even have it in church. Listen to me. I'm going to be very honest with you. We, we book people sometimes. It's going to blow your mind. We book people sometimes, and they send us a list of what they will drink, what type of snacks they'll have, what we have to buy for them, what we have. I'm thinking, I just need you to sing on key. Sing four songs and get yourself back on the bus and get gone. That's who you are. You a bus riding little singer. Thinking you better watch out which daddy you got. Because it's a short jump from being in heaven praising God to being cast down and wanting to get praised. Go with me one more scripture. Is that okay? I didn't want to get too deep in that, but I'm just... Is that understandable? Because music is beautiful. It's meant to be praised by God. It's meant God created it. But listen to me. The one connected to it can get in it quicker than anybody you have ever met. He don't get into preaching too much because he don't like that. But you find the most difficult parts of church, where churches split, where churches have problems, and I'll tell you where it'll happen, the music. Between the preacher and the music. I don't know why that always happens. I know why that always happens. Very simple why that always happens. And you have to guard against it. It's just like you have to guard against what you turn on your radio. I can't ride down the road and start listening to Bob Seger all the time. I start hearing, against the wind. I'm still running against the wind. I start thinking, yeah, that's me. I'm back. 22 years old, playing softball on the weekends, hanging out with my buddies. Think I'm running against the wind again. And the devil's like, that's you, Tim. Nobody loves you but me. I'm like, get the heck away from me. We all have to be careful. All of us. 
Colossians, pull that up for me. We'll get you out of here. Colossians 3 and 15. And let the peace of God rule in your, to which also you are called into one body. And be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another in, that's God. Okay, God, you gave me all this wisdom. You give me all this ability. You give me all, I mean, you just said, you, you, you richly blessed me. You've given me the word of Christ. You've put it in me. And then he says, here's what I want you to do with it. I want you to, I want you to sing. What? No, I, w- I want to wear a turn or burn t-shirt. I want, I want to, no, no, no. Listen to me. Learn to sing. Learn to sing. Find you a song. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Learn a song. Because just me singing those two or three words, some of you chill bumps start to come up. You know why? Because I know all the wisdom. I could preach in another two hours, but you know what? One song of hymns and praise does what nothing else can do. This week when you're in your house and things aren't going good, will you just turn off the TV? Would you just set your phone down for a second? I don't know if you even know a good song, but learn one and just walk through your house and just sing praise to it. Watch tears start to flow down your face. Watch the atmosphere begin to change. Watch your hands begin to go up. Why? Because here's the way it works. Let the Word of God, Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Learn the Bible. Learn to pray. Learn to do teaching and admonishing one another. How am I going to teach them? In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts, to the Lord, and whatsoever you do. See, once you learn to sing, then here's what happens. And then whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all to the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God in the Father by Him. This morning, I'm at the first part of this why, but I've got far enough this morning for you to understand where it begins. Why do I worship Him? And why do I praise Him? Because it is the call of your life. Satan was demoted and you were promoted. Somebody says, I don't have no thing to do for God. Oh, yeah, you do. Sing. Well, I'm no good at singing. Learn to whistle it. Make music. Make music. We'll talk about the other next week. We'll talk about the dance and we'll talk the timbrels and we'll talk, we'll talk about all that. But it begins for leadership whether you're the leader of your house or the leader of, of, of where you work or leader of, you are the praise leader. That is your top priority. You are the praise leader of your house. And when you do that, just watch. You're going to come to me next week and say, Pastor Lott, I'm telling you, I don't understand. I, I, I learned me a song. If you don't learn that, but learn one, how, how great is that God? It's a real simple song. And, and, you know, and, and you can, you can squat through your house. It's a name above all names. And just, just sing walking through the house. Why, Brother Lot? Because when you do the enemy, he's going to put his hands over his ears. And he said, I'll talk to you later. I, I do not want to be here while you leading praise and worship. Watch the thoughts change in your mind. Watch the atmosphere change. Because you were called to praise it. And as a leader, it is your duty. And when you do it, it releases power. I want somebody to lay hands on me. That'll last till you get to your car. But praise will last wherever you go.
You change your radio station when you get in your car, and you're going, well, I thought we listened to country. Not no more. You don't even like this music. I know, but I'll get used to it. I understand. I'm, I'm not a big music person. Uh, everybody knows me, knows me. But I, ha- I, oh, I don't even want to do it. But, but God's like, Tim, what's wrong with you? I ain't hearing enough praise. I ain't singing enough. Right? And I get to go down the road singing. And, 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 and it's just part of understanding that if I don't do this, then I'm the one that has to suffer for it. And if you're in this room today, your next week, if you keep listening to somebody call you a bee or whatever, and you keep listening to people tell you who you are and how you're not much more than a dog or how you're lucky to have the messed up individual you got and how even though your relationship's bad, you need to stick it out because you're in love or whatever they tell you. You you keep listening to that junk and you're going to wonder why your life stays so messed up and why you're so angry because it's music and praise that enters into your life. For long, you become what you praise. Will you stand? Oh, I can't wait till next week. I can get the other half of this out. Will you bow your heads? Father, I have shared enough today. And I know they received it. Now, whether they do it or not, I cannot determine. I can't determine what they're going to turn on their radio this week. I can't determine whether they're going to complain this week or they're just going to praise this week. They're going to decide, I don't even feel like praising, but I'm just going to do it until I get it. It's my job. It's my number one job to praise God. Before I do anything else, before I lead or I go to work or I do, my job is to praise. Father, will you please, please let them see this morning how everything hinges and everything begins and every advancement in their life starts with praise. God, let them this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. I pray that they will understand the depth, the height, the width of your greatness. And it will bring peace into their life because of the God that they serve. I thank you today that, God, it is not what's on my outside, but it's what is produced on my inside that makes me beautiful, that makes me strong, that makes me mighty. Because greater is he that's in me than anything that's in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Turn around to the person beside you and say, he might have been talking to you today. You're dismissed.